the second week in our study on uh, the Ten Commandments. And I tell you, it was going to be an interesting one because we're going to cover the Ten Commandments in six weeks. That's the way your life group's lessons are set up. And my sermon is to introduce that. So we're going to cover them in six weeks. Last time, last week, we looked at two of the commandments. This week in your life group study, uh, you, you, it would be an interesting study because they're going to take uh, the third commandment and the fourth commandment, combine them into that study, and then look at Psalm 145. And put all that together in the context about not taking God's name in vain and not misusing the name of God and keeping the Sabbath holy and looking at Psalm 145 and, and just talking about the seriousness of honoring God. So I thought what I would do today is just preach on one of these and call it honor God's name because that's a significant thing for us to do. And we'll look at that in Exodus chapter 27, that tell, chapter 20 verse 7 uh, that tells us that uh, we should not misuse the name of the Lord our God. Uh, we learned it in the old-fashioned way in the King James. It was this, you know, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And so we want to honor God's name. So what's in a name? Well, I, I read somewhere uh, about a book entitled simply Names by Paul Dickinson, and it was a hobby of his to collect what he called um Unique names that sometimes would lead to be prophetic. And basically just a conglomeration uh, of names. Uh, he talked about, first of all, a couple of just things I'll throw out from that. Can't cover all of them, of course. But he talked about two inmates of a state penitentiary in one of our states who were to be executed. It was in Florida. And one of them's name was Will Byrne, and the other one's name was Frizzle. And he's talking about a, a Montreal window washer who died by accident falling as he was washing windows, and the guy's name of all things was Will Drop. Then other names were destined to be uh, certain of their occupations. A man by the name of Joe Bunt became a baseball coach. Dan Druff became a barber. Go forth and catch them. Now, I like these two names. Go forth and catch them were police officers who teamed up to, to in their in their team work. Those police officers. Then, I really like this one. Two guys, one named O'Neill, one named Prey. That was their last names. They became partners in marketing church equipment. And then there was Zoltan Overy, who was destined to become a gynecologist. And then there was P.P. Peters, who became a urologist. You got it. Well, what's in a name? Three things at least. Reputation, character, and authority. Reputation, character, and authority. Now think about those three words as we go through honoring God's name today. See, your name is making a reputation. You're building a reputation by the way you live every day. A lot of people will comment on other people and talk about the fact that, that he or she is really making a name for him or herself. And hopefully that's all for the good, because you can be making a name for yourself in the bad. So with your name, you're making a reputation for yourself. Secondly, your name represents your character. You cannot be separated from what your name is and your character once you've been identified. I think it's so interesting in the Bible uh, that oftentimes when people would have a life-changing experience, God would change their name. You remember that, that Abram became Abraham, and Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and then in the New Testament, that Simon's name was changed to Peter. 
God would change their names because he said it represented their character. And then thirdly, a name represents authority. You develop a reputation, a good reputation, and you develop a great character, and then your name will carry authority. I mean, I just think about the name Billy Graham. I mean, that's integrity, that's a reputation, that's a character that was sterling. Uh, and what, what, a, what a sense of authority he brought anytime he spoke, especially as he led a crusade. Powerful authority. So what's in the name? Well, we look at God's name today in the third commandment, and we see that God says there's a lot in his name. In the scripture for today, reading from the New International Version, verse 7, Exodus 20, verse 7, God says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And again, you might be more familiar with it. In fact, that thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So I think there, this commandment just simply calls us to be careful how we use the name of God because there is honor and respect and reverence in the name of God. See, to understand how to love God deeply is to first of all understand how to value and how to treat his precious name. And that's a basic value for us as followers of Jesus Christ and members of the kingdom of God. I find it very interesting in in the books of of Genesis and Exodus that God takes three great risks with us, his people. First of all, he risks the making of us as human beings in his image. Thirdly, secondly, he gave to us his creations, his human being, dominion over the world. Not that we were to misuse it and conquer it, but that we were to use the world for the glory of God. Everything in it, we were to enjoy the beauty of what God had created, and we were to use it for the glory of God. And then our world, our lives, God's name, all three God placed in his name because he revealed his name to his people. I am who I am. Now, you see God taking those risks. God is saying to us in the third commandment, Treat my name carefully. He gives us his name. It's a wonderful name, a beautiful name, a powerful name. And he says to us, treat my name carefully. Honor the name of God. So how do we do that? Well, let's first of all talk about the sacredness of God's name. I mean, you just think about God, and you ought to think about all the holiness and sacredness that's represented in that simple name as we know it today as God. I mean, there's reverence that's in that name and power, certainly, and authority. There's a reputation that God has. But most importantly, we need to understand the sacredness that is in the name of God. When David was praying, David Boss was was praying today, he, he was giving you calling on the name of God in some of the over 300 names that the Bible gives to us for God. I thought at one moment that David, you will go through all of them, but that would have, that would have been okay. We need to hear all those because that's part of the sacredness of God's name. The, the name, biblical name really for this is the word Yahweh, Yahweh. And that's translated Lord. I think it was given to us in Exodus 3.15, a part of God's covenant title to us. 
So we look at the name of God in, in complete sacredness, and there's honor and reverence and majesty in his name. And we're reminded in the name of God that God is the eternal, self-existing one. He is the God who was, he is the God who is, and he is the God who will ever be. He is Jehovah God. And if we talk about reverencing the name of God with all kinds of seriousness and sacredness and honoring the name of God, we need to do maybe remember what the early scribes did when they were translating and writing down the scriptures. You know, before even the Gutenberg press, they just had to simply copy the scriptures by hand with, with a, a quill pen and, and put it on parchment paper. But the Jews in that day, whenever they came to the name of Yahweh, they not only would not even say it, but before they would write that name Yahweh, they would put down their pen, they would go and bathe themselves and put on fresh clothes and then get a new quill that had never been used, and then they would write the name Yahweh. Now think how far we have digressed from that honoring of God's name to how we hear it used today. We've lost some of the sacredness of God's name in this world. And so that's why it's good for us to come back and look at these Ten Commandments and they remind us of things that we should live by in, in a covenant relationship with God. The, the revelation of the holy, sacred character of God when we hear his name, Yahweh. Psalm 111.9 says, holy and awesome is his name. And over 300 of them to reveal to us who God really is. That's why God took the risk to reveal his name to us, to create us in his image, to reveal his name to us, and then to call us into a relationship with him. It's a wonderful God. So what's in God's name as we think about this sacredness? First of all, there's personality in, in, the, in, in the name God. We are told in the scripture that he is the Lord, your God. We mentioned that briefly last week, but we need to hear that again. By giving himself a name and revealing that name to us, God is telling us that he is a personal God. There's personality in his name. The name Jehovah speaks of God who is the covenant keeper, and it signifies God's personal relationship with his people. Secondly, there is power in his name. The Hebrew word Elohim, translated thy God, speaks about a God who is the mighty one. You put those two names together and you come up with a picture of God who says, be careful of how you use my name. I am the covenant-keeping God who has the power to perform his word. I am the God who will never break his promises to you. I am Jehovah, your Elohim, the God, your Lord. Don't take my name in vain. How do we know there's power in the name of God? Go back through it as you read the scriptures, and I hope you do that on a regular basis. If, if you're reading through, I'm reading through in a chronological study. I just got through going through uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. But we're not going into the minor prophets right now. We're going back to finish up part of the historical context, keeping it in chronological order, going back to Second Chronicles, and then going to Ezra and Nehemiah and Ruth and all those books leading up to going into the New Testament. But you ought to see multiple times, if you're still reading in the Old Testament, how God displayed his power by his name. Think about David, 
the little shepherd boy who went out to do battle with the giant Goliath with a slingshot, five stones. And what did David say to the giant? He said, you come after me with all kinds of things, with a sword and a spear and with a shield. And what did David say? I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts. And with a slingshot, and I want to use one of those rocks, he dispensed of Goliath. There's power in the name of God. That's why we need to hold it sacred. There's also protection in his name. See, there's personality and there's power, but there's also protection in his name. Reading through the book of Proverbs daily always reveals some kind of little gem. And Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs to it and is safe. See, that's a reminder to us that whenever we are in spiritual danger, whenever we're in physical danger, when Satan is after us, we always need to run to the name of God because it is a strong tower. And we run to that name and we're safe. See, there is protection in that precious name of Jesus. When you breathe his holy name in prayer, it's like running into that strong tower for safety. What a wonderful God we have who reveals himself to us by his name. See, God has chosen to give us his name so we can call on him. But at the same time, God wants us to call on his name in trust, in faith, in honor, and in reverence because of the sacredness of his name. Then secondly, let's look at the seriousness of the misuse of God's name. Why do you think we have this commandment given to us? I mean, it's so important that we have, first of all, you shall have no other gods before me. And then he says, you shall not have any other kind of idol or graven images of me. And then thirdly, God says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Early on even, God's name had been misused. A lack of sacredness and reverence had been used with the name of God. And it's worse today. So there's a seriousness about the misuse of God's name that we need to understand. See, first of all, we need to understand the vanity of profanity. One of the most ignorant things a person could ever do is to profane the name of God. And when you use God's name in profanity, it shows two things, an empty head and a wicked heart. You see, profanity reveals a feeble mind trying to express itself. I was always told all my life, somebody that has to curse got a limited vocabulary. And I, sometimes I, I think about people I'm around all the time, and all I ever heard them say was some cuss words. Well, that's how it's changed today. But see, a profound, a, a profane mouth reveals a profane heart. Now, what, what does a person get when he takes the, the name of God in vain or misuses it? Only judgment. Only judgment. You see, taking God's name in vain is an utterly pointless and excuseless sin. 
and it showed great contempt for the Lord God. Secondly, though, is the vanity of what I call frivolity. You might not think you're cursing. You're not asking God to damn something or someone. But there are ways that the name of God is used today. That's, a, that's what I call a vanity of frivolity. How do, we talk, how do we use the name of God in that manner? You're surprised by something. Do you say, oh, my goodness, or do you say, oh, my God? Do you take the name of Jesus and you give it an affirmation of something that's going on? Jesus Christ. Do you say, oh, Lord. Or someone, uh, you look at a pitiful condition or whatever, and you say, dear God. Then there's some phrases, I don't know where they came from. Judas Priest, I don't ever have understood where that came from. I don't know. It seems like to me it only comes up from up north that, that I've heard that used. I don't know where that's taking God's name in vain or not. Judas Priest, I don't, I don't know where that comes from. But how would you like for your name to be used that way? That somebody would ask you in your name to damn somebody or something else. But then how would you like it if they, something bad happens and you say, oh, oh God. All the time. Oh, goodness. That's, that'll work. And tell them, oh, God, won't it? Yeah. Don't do it in frivolity. And then there's the vanity of hypocrisy. What does that mean? We've taken the name of God. We've claimed the name of Jesus as, his, as, as our Savior. And that name of Jesus is powerful to cast out demons, to save us from our sins, do all kinds of powerful things like that. But we claim his name in hypocrisy. We aren't really born again. We aren't really a faithful disciple of his. We really aren't following his teachings and his plans and his precepts for our life. And we do it sometimes in church. We sing, you know, my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin, I resign. And we don't do that. We even sing, take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. And we don't even give a dollar. Okay, you, you, you can use the vanity of God's name in hypocrisy. Now you go back to this commandment. What did God promise if you use that name in vain or misused it? That he would punish those who misuse his name. I'll tell you how this was driven into my mind. I was a young boy in Earhart Baptist Church down in Bamberg County, right below where Rick lived. And I was in RH, Royal Ambassadors in our church. And they're having this thing at First Baptist Columbia called an RA Congress. And so our group of RAs came. And the guest for that was a man by the name of Paul Anderson. I don't know if you remember that name or not. But he was touted at that time as being the world's strongest man. He was the guest speaker. He won the Olympic gold medal in weightlifting in 1956. And one of his many feats of strength is cited in Guinness's Book of World Records where he lifted over three tons with his back. Now, he was short. He was only five feet, nine inches, but he weighed 375 pounds. To look at him, you might think he was kind of pudgy. But when you saw him in action, you know that that was nothing but slabs of steel under that shirt. Now, the three very significant things that I remember from that day First of all, I learned what an education building was at a church. They told us after we registered, now you're going to want to go over to the education building to hear Paul Anderson speak. And I said, what in the world is an education building or a church? 
I know we just had a sanctuary at Earhart and Sunday school classrooms at the back. We didn't have an education building. Later on we did, we built one. Okay, but I learned what a church education building was. Secondly, I saw this man, Paul Anderson, drive a nail into a board with his hand. Now he didn't take it, I thought he was going to take his hand like this and drive the nail. We put the nail in his hand, wrapped the handkerchief around his hand, had two by four, and he came down on it with such force that nail was driven about a half an inch or so into that board. Then the third thing, that, and he also then, he asked about 20 guys, 20 RAs, got on one of those round tables that was in that educational building. And he got under that table with those 20 boys on it, and with his back he lifted that table, and I stood there in amazement. I was amazed at his strength. But what really got me, though, was his testimony. And he talked about how deeply he loved the Lord God, and that we should never take his name in vain. He talked about walking through an airport one day, and a man was distraught about something, and he just cried out in anger, and he said, Jesus Christ. And so Paul Anderson said he ran up to him, grabbed from, from behind him, picked him up, and he said, hey, he's my friend. I know him. Where is he? And the man turned around and saw it was Paul Anderson, and he said, oh, my God. And Paul said, yeah, I'm talking about him, too. I know him, too. I don't know who that man was, but I bet you that was a life-changing experience for him. We should never misuse the name of the Lord our God. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. One of these days, God's going to put his arm around you. He's going to say, why'd you use my name in vain? So what's the solution to using God's name in the right way? To misuse his name is vanity. To use it correctly is victory. First of all, we need to reverence God's name completely. Treat it with the utmost respect. Use it carefully. Use it lovingly. Use it as an act of worship. Don't just let it slip out flippantly. If you use the word God, say it in a sacred manner in the right occasion. Don't lose your reverence and awe for the name of God. That's why we have that commandment, always to remind us of that. Psalm 29.2 says, Give to the Lord the glory do his name. Maybe you need to clean up your language after today. Number two, represent God's name clearly. We talked about what's in a name, reputation, character, and authority. See, if you don't um, represent God's name clearly, then you lose your influence. If people know you're a follower of Christ and you use the name of God in frivolous, non-sacred ways, you're going to lose your reputation you're going to lose your influence. You're going to lose your authority. Represent God's name clearly. And then thirdly, rely on God's name completely. See, there are thousands of verses in the Bible that tell us that God has made promises to honor his name. And those all encourage us to rely upon God's power as we honor his name. Psalm 33 says, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. I read somewhere that when he was on his deathbed, General William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, was approached by his family members. And they said to him, Dad, we got a legal document here 
that if you could just write your name on it, it would save us a lot of trouble as we go forward with your estate and all the things that we need to do. And he said, sure, and they put the, the scroll or the paper, whatever it was, in a pen before him, and he wrote on it and closed it and gave it to them. Not too long after that, General Booth breathed his last breath. And when the family opened up that scroll, as he thought he had written his name, they saw instead of writing General William Booth, that all he had written was one word, one name, and that was the name Jesus. As he lay there on his deathbed, there was one name above all names on his mind, and it was the name Jesus. So I challenge you today. Don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. Don't misuse it in any way. But I will challenge you also today. If you've never claimed the name of God, the name of Jesus, as your Savior and God your Father, then come today and take his name and follow him. If you are a child of God, if you are a follower of God, then keep sacred the name of God, with all reverence. Let's bow before our holy God. Father, you are God, you are our Father. You have chosen to reveal yourself to us in so many ways. You created us in your image. You, You have given us dominion over the world, and you have given to us your name. Help us to use that name to know you as the sovereign God, as Yahweh, the Lord God. Help us to treat that name with honor and reverence and respect. Help us to glorify you as we use your name always for your honor and never for anything else. Help us to keep this commandment that we might honor you, glorify your name, and show you to our fallen world. I pray it through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.